Hey, this is Graybo from Northern California. There are many a fucking reasons why I don't listen to I Doubt It with Dollamore. Top of the list, I need more Brittany Page. Less tall fucking ginger. God damn, man. Act like you've been there. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. <laughs> All right. Welcome. Thank you very much for joining us on this 158th episode of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, as always, Jesse Dollamore, and sitting across from me, worn out from the goddamn heat, my lovely and talented co-host, Brittany Page. It really is a bummer, especially for my skin, the heat, (laughs) because there's like patches on my face, like hot spots where I feel like it's like itchy and like the heat, it just gets to me. I wondered what that was. I thought maybe you had contracted leprosy. All right. Don't act like you know what I'm talking about because (laughs) I know that you don't. My skin's fine. Well, I haven't had to lotion up or... You know what? Good for you. And you're a weirdo about that kind of stuff, so abnormal i don't think i'm that abnormal i don't think normal guys lotion up all the time okay it's not all the time it's you you do not need or use lotion that's not something that you do yeah well i like i said i don't think men normally use lotion um i mean i guess i don't know but i would well, just maybe assume... i mean i only know what i do and i just assume i'm relatively normal mm-hmm but I don't slather on the lotion. Okay, quit saying slather on. <laughs> what What are you talking about? I don't know. Anyway, it's been ridiculously hot. I hate starting the goddamn show talking about the weather, but it has been 100 degrees today. And by 100, I mean 100 degrees almost. <laughs> almost. Well, it was like 98 degrees. Uh, well. It's sliding down now. Maybe yeah. it was 57 and I'm just no. really exaggerating. <laughs> no. I think the high in our city was like 93 but in the in the surrounding cities there was one city that was like 104 right well that's where you go to school right it was 104 degrees right i don't know no i was being so secretive about yeah. it <laughs> fullerton mm-hmm. <laughs> the secret place <laughs> it's like narnia mm-hmm. except not as magical at very all. hot yeah super hot so we are here. We uh, it's been it, we watched the Emmys today. That in and of itself was a shit show in the works because we recently canceled our cable, so we <laughs> oh, only God. have Sling TV. Mm-hmm. And me in front of my TV, having hooked up the digital antenna, oh God, was like a. It was like the scenes, like a I Love Lucy episode where they're holding the rabbit ears or the antenna <laughs> and they're having to stand in, in weird ways to get the best reception. Mm-hmm. You would think being 2015 that we'd be past this, but uh, that's not the case. Right. Well, at least it's not bunny ears. It's this flat, fancy looking black box. You're like, oh, this looks really sleek and nice. And then you take it home and it won't work unless you're holding it. Yeah. You're holding it in well, no, no. the it, right it place. Worked, it worked for all the other channels except for Fox, except for the channel we needed. Right. So everyone was saying, you know, there's nowhere to stream the Emmys. You have to buy an HD antenna. And we've gotten one before, and it was kind of... Janky, to say the least. Yeah, it was not great. So we got this more sleek-looking one, and then it ended up being a substantial problem all on its own. We finally got it to work. But it's like nailed up on the wall above the TV <laughs> in a very precarious and odd position. It can't stay there. It's... <laughs> no way. No. Yeah, it's it's a spectacle mm-hmm. to say the least. Yeah, this is what happens when you cut your cable. This is it. I mean, you got to deal with these little picadillos, mm-hmm. as they say. That is what they say. I. That's what I heard. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on with a little follow up before we get too deep in the weeds about the Emmys. Kim Davis, in the news, 
yet again. She was released from jail last week under an agreement that was struck with the court, the federal district court, with Judge Bunning, a George W. Bush appointee, on the bench. She agreed to not interfere with her clerks issuing licenses, and it appears as though that might not be the case or might not be what's happening. When Kim Davis went back to work last week, she said that she wouldn't stop her deputies from issuing marriage licenses to same-sex couples as long as those licenses didn't have her name or her title on them. Well, now one of her deputy clerks, the only one who's been issuing licenses to same-sex couples, his name is Brian Mason, he says she's taken it a step further. He's concerned and he filed a motion with the judge saying this, saying Kim Davis came to the office and confiscated all of the original forms and provided a changed form which deletes all mentions of the county, fills in one of the blanks that would otherwise be the county with the clerk's styling, deletes her name, deletes all of the deputy clerk references, and in place of the deputy clerk types in the name of Brian Mason. Mason, of course, being that clerk. He also says that this takes it one step further than the marriage license alteration that had been approved by the judge, what was happening while she was in jail. Now, her attorney responded yesterday saying that, not denying that she altered these forms, but saying it didn't violate the judge's order. Here's what he said. Said. He said the licenses were not altered to circumvent the court's order, nor did Kim Davis circumvent the order. He's obviously being very careful here with his language. So it, it seems to me, from my far off vantage point, that she's trying to invalidate these, but do it on the sly. Mm-hmm. She's such a hillbilly that she doesn't understand that she's under ridiculous amounts of scrutiny. Everyone is watching every move she makes. And the, and also, and let's let's not go any further without getting on the record the the bravery and the principled stand that this Brian Mason is taking. He's he at his own peril, his own personal reputation is at risk. His his relationships with his co-workers are certainly at risk since he's the only deputy clerk issuing marriage licenses, and also his job is very likely at risk because we know with everything we've seen that Kim Davis, I mean, she's obviously willing to circumvent the authority of the United States Supreme Court. Why would she not have the the gall to fire him without due just cause? Right. So... I think something I'm really hoping that the the ACLU or some gay marriage advocacy group is taking care of him relative to legal costs and making certain that he is not being harassed or or threatened or bothered or, you know, that shit's on the up and up. Right. That he's not uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, a little uncomfortableness. Yeah. You know, whatever. But I don't want the guy to lose his job because he's doing the right thing and he works for this wretch. Right. To, I mean, know, that's the legal definition. I'm just using legal terms here, Brittany. Well, and you 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 also have the added, I guess, you know, um, difficulty in that her son also works in the office. Yeah, he's a doofus, too. And he's always behind her during like press conferences and things. Like, Almost he's always there. Om- ominous. Like o- standing over her in the background kind of creepily. Like a bodyguard situation. Right. And yeah. so I'm, su- I'm sure this clerk is having to also deal with that issue. You yeah. know, that it's, it's not just Kim Davis. It's also her son and all these other people in her office that I'm sure she has handpicked because they share her viewpoint. Yeah, absolutely. And that must be difficult. That's difficult to deal with the, her, in any situation. Her, they share her viewpoint or her last name. <laughs> right. So good for him. Brian Mason, that's a name we need to remember. That's a guy that if they throw up a a, a GoFundMe page or something, eh, you know, maybe reach into your pocket and uh, throw him a couple quarters because uh, he's doing good things over there. The other thing about this that is, is just so odd to me is that she's taking all of the forms away and then changing them, altering them herself. 
removing certain words. I'm sure that she is under under advice of counsel of what would possibly invalidate these, but then hopefully not get her thrown back in jail. Well, it's almost like she's tempting the system. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like she's taunting someone saying, hey, look at me. I'm trying to get away with whatever I can. <laughs> no, it'd be more like this. Hey, look at me. You're strong people. I, I feel like that's what she's doing, though. She's taunting, and, and it's... I mean, are, are they going to let her do this is kind of my question well we'll see this week is upon us and you know if, if if this brian mason is taking this before the court it's certainly not going it's not flying under the radar of judge bunning who held her in contempt put her in jail for i think six days you know he, he's gonna be taking note and if she's trying to make this where he brian mason doesn't have the authority because he's just uh, a deputy clerk or because he's just a notary public or whatever, Judge Bunning's not going to allow that because, one, it's it's smacking him in the face. It's, it's abject public disrespect for the court and the bench, you know, on which he sits. Mm -hmm. So I am very eager to see what happens. The other little bit of follow-up is this Ahmed Mohammed case the the 14 year old boy who built the menacing homemade clock out of a circuit board and brought it to school the all kinds of shit has been blown up about this um Bristol Palin has shit to say of course uh, Richard Dawkins has stuffed his foot into his mouth Bill Maher again Bill Maher has said stuff but uh this first clip I want to play you is Irving Texas police chief Larry Boyd. Earlier this week, school resource officers at MacArthur High School were notified by the Irving ISD officials about a student in possession of a suspicious device. You have been provided with pictures of the device and it, that it shows that it certainly was suspicious in nature. The student showed the device to a teacher who was concerned that it was possibly the infrastructure for a bomb. Uh, school resource officers questioned the student about his intentions and the reason why he brought the device to the school. The student would only say that it was a clock and was not forthcoming at that time about any other details. Having no other information to go on and taking into consideration the device's suspicious appearance and the safety of the students and the staff at MacArthur High School, the student was taken into custody for possession of a hoax bomb. Under Texas law, a person is guilty of possessing a hoax bomb if he possesses a device that is intended to cause anyone to be alarmed or a reaction of any type by law enforcement officers. Following the standard procedures that we have, the student was handcuffed for his safety and for the safety of the officers and was transported to a juvenile processing center here at the police station. Recognizing additional facts were required, the student was released to his parents so further investigation could be completed. The follow-up investigation revealed the device apparently was a homemade experiment and there's no evidence to support the perception he intended to create alarm. No charges will be filed and the case is considered closed. Obviously we'll re review this as we do any high-profile incident of any nature uh, but it evolved as it did because of the matter of safety and in the abundance of caution under the circumstances. The Irving Police Department has always experienced an outstanding relationship with our Muslim community. We recognize that situations like this present challenges, but we are committed to continuing to build that positive relationship. I plan to meet today, this afternoon, with the student's father uh, to answer his questions and to help him understand more about how this process evolved. Very interesting to me that the guy says uh, he one of the reasons why we took him into custody is while we're interviewing him at the school, he would only say that it was a clock. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, Larry Boyd, really? Chief Larry Boyd. Ahmed Mohammed would only say what it was. He, it's a clock. And all he would say is that it's a clock. Well, of course that's what he's saying. It's a clock. It's a fucking clock. 
Right. I also love how, you know, professional he's trying to be when really that could have been a 15 second uh, statement. Right. Really quick. I mean, he says, oh, we released him to his parents so that the investigation could continue. What investigation continued after you had released him to his parents? (laughs) He doesn't say. Like you were continuing to follow up on what? What were you following up on? Maybe they need to find out exactly what color the clock was. And he arrested him for his safety and <laughs> yeah. for the safety of the police officers. <laughs> what does that mean? I wrote that down. Uh, I wrote, cuffed for his safety. Does that mean that someone else was going to harm Ahmed Mohammed? Right. I mean, I'm confused. Does that mean like in case he ran away and then they would like attack him and not use proper? Right. Or or and also for the safety of the officers, because this 90 pound 14 year old kid posed some sort of threat or or physical danger to these cops. He's going to give him a beat down (laughs) because he knows, you know, the super secret Muslim ninja moves. (laughs) Who knows? (laughs) Who knows what they're thinking? It, it, it is very bizarre to me. The, the other thing that he said that struck me as odd is that they, they've always experienced in Irving, they've always experienced a good relationship with the Muslim community. What in the hell does that mean? When you experience something, isn't it kind of happening to you and not something you're fostering? I don't know. Maybe it's just me and I'm getting hung up on the semantics of it, but it seems like poorly chosen words. I would agree with that statement that you made. <laughs> yes. But I think that's because my bias is coming through a little bit and I'm already yeah. not very fond of this person. But you did mention Bristol Palin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, who has a blog over at Patheo. So for some reason, she's, you know, sometimes trending with these things that she writes. And we talked about last time that Barack... Hey, hang, on, hang on. Before, before... I say anything before we talk about what exactly nonsense she said on her blog, because we need to read it because it's short because she never can really gather the gather the words to really put something substantive down. Um, Does she really think someone gives a fuck about what she has to say? She's the daughter of the, the former governor who quit her job of Alaska. She's she's no one. She has no well, education. Well, she has no experience. Well, she does have four hundred and fifty four thousand people that like her on Facebook. So uh, she is somebody to a lot of people. And uh, so what happened was Barack Obama invited Ahmed to the White House. We talked about that on the last episode. And Bristol Palin responded by saying, quote, this encourages more racial strife that is already going on with the Black Lives Matter crowd and encourages victimhood. The police, she acknowledged, quote, clearly made a mistake by taking Ahmed to juvenile detention. But why put more people against the police? Why egg it on? Childish games like this from our president have divided our country even more today than when he was elected. Do you notice that uh, president is not capitalized? Yes, I did notice that. (laughs) Of course it's not. Well, it's either she doesn't know that it should be capitalized because this is her formal blog. You know, this isn't a tweet. This is her formal blog on Patheos. It's just... And then she embeds the tweet of President Obama... Right. Well, I also think she's kind of, I mean, she's being presumptuous when she says that Barack Obama is egging on an anti-police sentiment. What? He's just inviting Ahmed to the White House and saying, cool clock, more kids should be inspired by you. And I mean, what do you, where are you getting the anti-police thing? Is it because the police did something wrong? Right. Well, here's what's stupid about this is what would President Obama have to gain from racial unrest or division between citizens and police. What does he have to gain from that kind of unrest? You know? Nothing. It's bad for everybody when that happens. He, She's not the only one, though, and it's, it's odd having to lump these two together. Richard Dawkins also tweeted stupid stuff and was being called out by, luckily, by other atheists asking him, 
in so many words and a little bit more politely than this, but, you know, what the fuck are you talking about? He tweeted, if the reassembled components did something more than the original clock, that's creative. If not, it looks like a hoax. Dissembling and reassembling is great, but you shouldn't then claim it was your invention. I agree, although his English seems good, it's possible he doesn't know the meaning of invention, and he should not have been arrested. It's not relevant to the (laughs) undoubted wrongfulness of his arrest. It is relevant to the mistaken adulation he received. I'm not putting down the child. I'm putting down myself and the rest of us for being fooled and the police for arresting him for nothing. So it kind of it's a little confusing all over the place. Yeah, you kind of he's it starts out. Maybe he's not supportive of Ahmed. Right. Well, one of somebody who is, I guess, I underscore love underscore atheism tweeted at him and said, what has this got to do with evolutionary biology or atheism? Why are you so annoyed with this kid? And Richard Dawkins answered and said, because he disassembled and reassembled a clock, parenthetically, which is fine. And then he claimed it was an invention, which is fraud. So <laughs> so that's what bothers him so much, Richard Dawkins, is that he's, he's having a, a war of semantics with what a 14-year-old boy, little boy, believes. Yeah, that's it's a fraud. Come on. And then another guy comes at him and says, really, Richard Dawkins, what do you think Ahmed's motives were? And Richard Dawkins replies, I don't know. Possibly wanted to be arrested. Police played into his hands. Anyway, now invited to White House, crowdfunded, etc." wanted to be arrested you know that's what i like to do i was hoping this weekend that i might get arrested Brittany. yeah to my big my 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 massive dismay i wasn't arrested and i had to watch football and you know (laughs) enjoy this heat yeah well what's funny is since this happened i've seen a lot of articles popping up where it's like here's five white people that made clocks and went to school and they weren't arrested it's not as though ahmed is the first person to construct a quote unquote clock. Sorry, right. Dawkins, I know it's a fraud, but you know, just like hold on. <laughs> a quote unquote clock. And he's not the first person to do that. So he is the first person to be arrested for doing it. You don't think that kids, you know, when they bring in their experiments for the science fair, you think they're doing just endless original science experiments? No, they're mixing, you know, whatever chemicals together and putting it in the volcano and the volcano explodes. Those kids are fucking frauds, Brittany. (laughs) All those kids who do the volcano thing, frauds. Yeah. That has been done. (laughs) That is not new. Yeah, it's not original. They should all be trying to cure cancer and doing something good for the world mm-hmm. as 14-year-olds. <laughs> yes. Ugh, just fucking goddamn. When is he going to stop? It, it, it always seems to me that when he puts a little bit more thought into something, like a book, that he kind of weighs what his opinion is, and it comes out good. He, he, you know, it's, it's, it's metered. It's logical. It's intelligent. Mm-hmm. It's as though a world-famous microbiologist r- wrote it. You mean like when he said that date rape is bad, no, no, but see, stranger rape is worse? <laughs> right. Here's my point. <laughs> is when he just fires it off on Twitter, Yeah. then it comes across like, who is this goon? Just quiet. Well, it was shocking to me also that Bill Maher was taking the same position that... I think he finally resigned and said, okay, maybe he shouldn't have been arrested, but it was right for everybody to kind of be alarmed. Well, I don't know that I disagree with the having initial alarm because, look, they're not explosive experts, and it does look a little ominous if you have zero training. So what do you do? You maybe send him to the office, and then we're going to get to the bottom of it. Even if you do call the cops... Which I don't think is necessary because you if he says, yeah, it's a clock, I brought it in for Mr. Engineering Teacher, like and, I said last time. Then and you he go, knew about it. Yeah, then you go ask the engineering teacher, hey, mm-hmm. you're an engineering guy. What is this? Is this really a clock? Oh, yeah, that's a clock. Okay. Issue resolved. Right. No need for cops. No need for, for juvenile detention. You know, no need for taking it up a notch. Mm-hmm. So... But to, to, to completely ignore any alarm, I'm not saying the initial alarm was bad. 
I'm not going to go that far because they're teachers. They don't fucking know. All right, let's get to everybody's favorite Patreon mid-roll before we go to Dollamocracy. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like yourself by way of Patreon. You can contribute per episode as much or as little as you'd like, comforted by the knowledge that you're within your budget and helping move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you too would like to become a supporter, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dolomore. So we would like to thank our Patreon supporters. We had a great debate episode, the breakdown of the debate. We've had some feedback from the Patreon people, and I, I've heard that they really wish that it was available to the public because... It, well, I, it's going to sound like I'm S in my own D over here, but it, w- it was so good. They really enjoyed it, and they wish that the rest of the public could have it. So I'm probably going to release it, but it won't be for another uh, probably a week, and then maybe it'll be too stale for anybody to care about. But I, I wanted first crack at those episodes for the Patreon supporters because we, we, we really do appreciate them, and uh, thank you very, very much. Dollamocracy 2016, facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. Look, I'm not saying I was right. (laughs) But, uh... Oh, God. Well, well, here's the thing. I'm not done. No, please stop. I am not done. No one knows... No one knows your prediction because that was on the debate episode, so only the patrons know. Oh, well, so, well, then I guess I will explain. I'm not going to verify that you said anything All right, correct. then I'll put the episode up on iTunes tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I predicted. Did I not mention this at all? We didn't talk about the debate on huh. the episode. Well, on the debate episode, I predicted that Donald Trump was going to be falling in the polls. And okay, so also I'll take it a step further. <laughs> I don't think I don't think that you talked about this on the debate episode, but you also said that you believed that Carly Fiorina would jump up to double digits. Yes, I did. So, so. no, oh my god. Okay, I'm gonna start reading now. Okay. according to the survey conducted three days after the september 14th debate from a cnn orc poll fiorina has 15 percent support among republican and republican leaning voters up from just three percent in august so she went from three to 15 percent you were correct double digits the former hewlett-packard chief executive is one point ahead of retired neurosurgeon ben carson 14%, down five points from the previous poll. Meanwhile, support for Trump's candidacy, which stood at 32% in August, has slipped to 24%, the new poll shows. Trump, Fiorina, and Carson are the only candidates in the Republican field who have not held public office. Yeah, well, I don't know how significant that is, seeing as early as we are in this election cycle, but uh, he is going to... He's he's on the way down, I, and he look it. He might see a little bit of a jump coming back up with some of the shenanigans that have gone on, because who knows what is going on with the Republican base or what they call "quote unquote" likely Republican voters. But uh, it's good news. To some sanity has been restored. In, our, in my my beloved political process. So the only other candidate that is in the double digits is Marco Rubio with 11%. And so he's in fourth. And at fifth, you have Bush. Sixth is Cruz and Huckabee. Then you have Paul, Christie, and Kasich is in 10th with 2%. Which is so weird to me. It just, well, you know, given the 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 past performance of this particular electorate... It doesn't surprise me. Right. It, it bums me out that your issue-driven candidates, your candidates who can actually win the race, 
are getting no love whatsoever. Yeah, it's funny, though, on ABC's This Week with George Stephanopoulos on Sunday, Trump dismissed his drop in the polls. Of course. <laughs> saying, quote, a lot of people say I won the debate based on drudge and based on everyone else that did polls of the debate itself. So uh, generally speaking, I think I've gone up since the debate, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> OK. Generally speaking, you think you've gone up when we just indicated based on a CNN ORC poll that you gone down yeah but he doesn't feel like that well, he so. doesn't feel like it it must not be true yeah well this happened this last week trump has, who's been doing his town hall meetings on an almost daily basis where he gets up and talks about how tremendous a tremendous believe me believe me i'm great i'm the best i'll make your head spin with all his diarrhea of the mouth his bragging diarrhea of the mouth he opened it up to questions, and this was the very first question asked of him at the at the gathering. We problem in this country, it's called Muslims. We know our current president is one. Right. You know he's not even an American. We need this first question. Certificate this man. First question. But anyway, we have training camps growing where they want to kill us. Mm-hmm. That's my question. When can we get rid of We're going to be looking at a lot of different things. And, you know, a lot of people are saying that, and a lot of people are saying that bad things are happening out there. We're going to be looking at that and plenty of other things. So after the, the hillbilly, the uninformed, I thought at first it was a plant because the way the guy talked didn't seem natural or normal. We have a problem in this country. It's called Muslims. We know our current president is one you know what i mean it's just a maybe it's just he was nervous because he was in front of his golden-haired god orange-faced god donald trump i think he was like aggressively grabbing at the mic or something huh i i, I remember when i'm watching the video i have a vague memory it's probably a false memory of him like struggling with the mic well the problematic thing well there's many there's <laughs> there's many things here that are problematic but one is that Donald Trump just says, yeah, yep, yeah, he's a Muslim. He's, he's not American. And he, he also interrupts, while the guy is talking, he says, we need this question. Donald Trump says, we need this question. This is the first question. He also says, right. Yes, After absolutely. After he says, our our president is one. He's like, right. And even if it's right, um, that's not how you react to someone saying that. That's exactly right. Well, back in 2008, and I just want to juxtapose what a mook does against what an actual man with some honor does. The same kind of thing, almost the identical thing happened with John McCain during one of his town hall Q&As and some old lady. And the, the, he was actually giving the, his microphone to people to ask their question. And then, he, you know, he would answer their question. Well, she asks her question. And in the middle of her asking her question, he yanks the microphone out of her hands and says, nope. I got to ask you a question. I do not uh, believe in, I can't trust Obama. I, got I, I have read about him and he's not, he's not, he's a... Um, he's an Arab. He is not. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. He's a, he's a, he's a decent family man, citizen that I just happen to have disagreements with on on fundamental issues, and that's what this campaign is all about. He's not. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. So he did the right thing. That's how that's handled when you're a classy, intelligent. <laughs> An elder statesman. I mean, yeah, it's... When you're not a reality television star. <laughs> right, and and Donald Trump has defended his actions saying, what am I supposed to do, defend the president at every turn? Do you think he would have defended me? What it, What is wrong with him where he operates on this elementary school attitude right. where it's like, well, he likes me, so I like him. And what am I supposed to defend someone who's not going to defend me? Uh, you need to match the behavior of how everyone treats you. If, if I don't think he would do the right thing, I'm not going to do the right thing. Right. That doesn't make any sense. He, he has no honor. Just do the right thing because that's the right thing to do. That's exactly right. Well, this is not the only 
incident this week of, well, I guess maybe this sparked all these questions about Obama being an Arab, even though I guess that was the McCain thing, Mm -hmm. him being an Arab, Mm -hmm. even though the place that he was questioned to have been born was Kenya, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is an an African nation, an Eastern African nation, not Arab, whereas where Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates and Oman and Yemen, all that would be Arabia or Arab territory, what, not Kenya. What, what are people <laughs> supposed to do when they rely on conservative tribune? Yeah. Conservative or Western journalism dot com. Yeah. I mean, this is what you get. Ugh. Well, Ben Carson was on with Chuck Todd on Meet the Press and was asked, I guess probably sparked by this incident, was asked a question about it. May uh, wrap this up by finally dealing with what's been going on, Donald Trump, and he and a deal with a uh, uh, a questioner that uh, that claimed that the president was Muslim. Let me ask you the qu- question this way: Should a president's faith matter? Should your faith matter to voters? Oh, well, I guess it depends on what that faith is. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, oh, okay. Wow. Um, great. Not ready for prime time. <laughs> Does your faith matter when you're running for president of the United States? Answer? Well, I guess what it matters what that faith is. Wow. If if it's inconsistent uh with the values and principles of America, then of course it should matter. But uh, if it fits within the realm of, uh, of America and consistent with the Constitution, mm-hmm. uh, no problem. So do you believe that uh, Islam is consistent with the Constitution? Uh, no, I don't. I do not. Do I, I would not advocate that we put a Muslim in charge of this nation. I absolutely would not agree with that. And you would. Wow. So Chuck Todd in that moment just has to be like, yes. Oh, he's got yes! a big journalism boner for <laughs> sure. Like this is the greatest possible thing that could happen. This is a bigger flub than when he said that when you go into prison, you come out gay. <laughs> and that is how it's done. Yeah. I mean, this is shocking, right? I mean, it's not that shocking, but it's it's it's. Shocking to me because he's third in the polls. He's a retired neurosurgeon. He is educated. He's ostensibly a very smart, intelligent man. Right. And so what the hell is he talking about? And what I would have liked to have heard is the specifics about what, well, why is it inconsistent? Yeah. Sir, what are the inconsistencies and what other faiths are inconsistent? Is Christianity the only faith? He definitely needs to have his feet held to the fire. What do you know about Islam? that the rest of us don't know that would make it inconsistent with our system of government. Right. That someone is not capable of being president of the United States because of a particular religious faith that they have. Right. It's just another fairy tale. You believe in one fairy tale, Ben Carson. Other politicians believe in other fairy tales. They're just as qualified... Or let's put it this way, they're not disqualified because of their fairy tale. Well, also, is his main issue that, you know, he's concerned that the person who is the president of the United States is going to be attempting to implement a theocracy, and he doesn't want that type of theocracy. He wants his type of theocracy. That's right. That's right. He needs his flavor imposed on everybody else, not some other flavor. Right. That's why someone's religion shouldn't matter, because they shouldn't be trying to enforce their religious beliefs onto the nation. That is exactly On right. Onto the citizens. That's yes. it. Ugh. Easily answered there, sir. Please stop with this nonsense. Stop with your campaign. <laughs> Just go away. Go into retirement. Dream about separating conjoined twins. Dream about your glory days when you did wonderful things for humanity and go the fuck away. Well, Bernie Sanders, ramping it up, he was on with Blitz... Sorry, Blitz. I mean, Wolf. (laughs) He was on with Wolf Blitzer on CNN. Back with us is the Vermont senator, the Democratic presidential candidate, Bernie Sanders. Uh, You like this deal, this Iran nuclear deal. Donald Trump says it's the worst possible deal. A lot of Republicans, they hate it. Uh, Are you okay with it? Because they're going to get $100 billion, the Iranians, and they can do with that whatever they want. Look, this is not the deal that I would write. It's not the deal that you would write. But you know... 
Wolf, I get very tired of hearing the rants and ravings of Republicans who apparently have not forgotten the lessons of Iraq and Afghanistan. He means I voted forgotten. against the war in Iraq. And I think that war will go down in history as one of the worst foreign policy blunders uh, in the modern history of our country. And do you think that that negates Hillary Clinton because she voted for I, I, That's not my point. Yeah, the point is to take us to where we are today. <laughs> if you do not negotiate an agreement, remember, this is not an American agreement. This is with five other countries plus Iran. Tough negotiating. If we, our goal must be to make sure that Iran does not have a nuclear weapon. Everyone agrees on that. It will be a disaster for the region, disaster for Israel, increase the arms race in that area. What Republicans keep ignoring is the cost of war. If you don't negotiate an agreement, what's your alternative? If you were president of the United States and they violated the agreement, the Iranians, with the military option, the U.S. use of military force against Iran to prevent it from becoming a nuclear power beyond the table. Of course it would be on the table. Military option is always on the table, but it must be the last option. Awesome. Let me tell you something. There are there are a few moments that I really think that Bernie Sanders knocks it out of the park. And this is a this is one of those moments that he did. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to let this clip play a little bit further. But I want to talk about this specifically for just a minute, because so many people really paint him as a as a pacifist, as an complete and utter anti-war guy all the way down the line. And that's just not the case. Right. As evidenced by. If you believe him and if you trust what he says, and I do, I don't agree with a lot that he has to say relative to his policies and his beliefs, but I believe that he, what he says is true and that he really believes it. I don't think he's pandering very, very often at all. So when he says, no, you, you absolutely, the threat of a military action should be on the table, I believe him when he says that. You know, and I get really upset. I'm the former chairman of the Veterans Committee, and I've learned a little bit about the cost of war, of not only the 6,700 brave men and women who died in Iraq and Afghanistan, the 500,000, 500,000 who came home with PTSD and traumatic brain injury, the $4 trillion we spent on those wars. What the president is trying to do, and I agree with him, is to do everything that we can to achieve our goal of Iran not having a nuclear weapon without going to war. So... So what do you say to your critics? I'm talking about Democratic critics who say, you know what, You're, he's really just a socialist pacifist. He voted even in 1991 against the, the Operation Desert Storm to liberate Kuwait. I am not a pacifist. You know, I voted for the war in Afghanistan. I voted to support uh, President Clinton trying to deal with ethnic cleansing in Kosovo. Sometimes military force is what is needed. But what a great nation is about, the most powerful military on Earth is about is doing everything that we can to resolve international conflict without a war. And I do get very upset at people who are so prepared to send other people's kids into that war. So I support what the president is trying to do. If it does not work, if Iran cheats, we can rescind the uh, provision on sanctions. Military option is always a possibility. But let us do everything that we can to achieve our goal without going to war. The White House now says the president has directed the administration to make preparations next year to admit 10,000 Syrian refugees into the United States. Are you with them on that? Yes, I am. Uh, look, you have a humanitarian crisis, which is heartbreaking. Uh, people are leaving Syria. They're leaving Iraq, by the way, uh, and with the clothes on their back. And I think this is a European issue, by the way, I think it is an issue that Saudi Arabia and some of the other wealthy countries in that region should also embrace. You know, they're part of the cause of the problem. They should take some of the refugees, so should the United States. How would you, as president of the United States, destroy, defeat ISIS? I don't think anyone has a magical answer, uh, but this is what I do believe. I do not believe that the United States can or should do it alone. You know, I get a little bit tired of countries like Saudi Arabia, who border on ISIS, uh, telling President Obama, please send combat troops in, but we don't want to get our hands dirty. You got very wealthy. Saudi Arabia, among other things, has the third largest military budget in the world. I think you need the countries in the region to be leading the effort uh, with the support of the United States and the other uh, wealthy, powerful uh, Western countries uh, throughout the world. I know you're making a major move today uh, on a domestic issue.
So let's let's talk about that just for a minute. Um, that's a non-answer. How would you deal with ISIS? And he says, well, we can't do it alone. The, the players in the region, they really need to do it. Well, that's not how you handle it. If they won't do it, if Saudi Arabia won't fucking do it, what are you going to do, Bernie Sanders, President Bernie Sanders? Right. I would be so anxious as a presidential candidate to go out and do these interviews and not have an answer and kind of have the expectation be, well, you can just figure out how to get out of answering it. Because right. I, I feel like at some point you're going to come up against a journalist who is going to hold your feet to the fire. And obviously, you know, Blitz is not... Not getting it done. No, he's not doing that. Um, but I would be fearful that I would eventually come across someone who would do that. Yeah. And, well, it needs to be done. And you because it's an important question that we're facing right now as a nation. Right. You can't not have an answer to that question. You're going to be the president of the United States. That's a major issue right now. We need to know kind of the plan. We need a plan. Right now, we're just aimlessly roaming, spending, you know, $56 million or some insane amount of money for fewer than 50 fighters in Syria to train. And then we, we there's no results. We need an answer for this problem. We need a plan and a roadmap towards success in that particular region where it relates to ISIS because it's serious and eventually, it's it's a powder keg that's going to blow up in our fucking face, and it's going to be here in America. Don't let these these liberals who would like you to believe that, oh, that's just a, a regional issue that we really don't have any, I mean, we may have caused it, but we need to let them just kind of sort it out. Nope. This is a, an eminent national security issue that needs to be dealt with, even if we have to step on toes geopolitically all in all though bernie sanders is a guy who i respect his skills <laughs> right i also appreciated how he he never wants to discuss other candidates so when blitz brought up hillary clinton he shut it down right he's like no that's not what i'm talking about i'm talking about the issues i'm talking about right. my own views i'm not going to talk about hillary clinton and what she's saying yeah well it's working for him it's certainly working for him he's you know he is leading right now in Iowa in the polls. He's leading in New Hampshire in the polls. He's leading in New Hampshire by a lot, by by a wide, wide margin, like 20 points. So he's doing something right. And like I've said, if you want this to be your guy, you need to start convincing your loved ones and your friends and your neighbors and your coworkers that he's the guy. So you need to, to bone up on his policies or lack thereof, where it relates to ISIS, and uh, get out on the stump. Look at Jesse doing a little promotion message for Bernie Sanders. No, well, you know I'm I I don't uh, I I don't hate the guy. So the other thing that we we talked about on the debate episode, but didn't talk about it in the regular show, we're gonna have to figure out a system of dealing with this because this is we're gonna have another debate coming up here next month, and we're gonna be facing these same issues. Um, It'd be so easy if everyone just became a patron. Right. That's right. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, look at that. I just lobbed it up and you knocked it out of the park, Brittany Page. Um, ben Carson was a boring, just a fucking, <laughs> just a, 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 a wet shoelace. He was just terrible. He's far too relaxed all the time. He, he was boring and... I think I did the old, I'm Ben Carson and just... Uh, no, you know, Donald Trump always makes fun of Jeb Bush for being not high energy. That is exactly what Ben Carson was doing. Well, on Jimmy Kimmel's show, he did a little commercial about <laughs> about the candidates in the debate. And Ben Carson and Donald Trump were both richly, richly featured. Ben Carson, he did not make a particularly strong impression last night. Ben Carson to me, comes off like a guy who grabbed the wrong drink at Bill Cosby's house. But his... What? But his... But his performance last night did inspire a new product that, if it sells as well as I think it will, could possibly make him wealthier than Donald Trump. Do you suffer from sleepless nights? Is it just impossible? 
expect to sleep at night? Then it might be time to try the new method that is scientifically proven to help you get sleep. Lullaby Ben. Lullaby Ben uses actual sound from Republican presidential candidate Ben Carson to help you go to sleep after a long day. Typically, politicians do things that are politically expedient. And they are looking for whatever their particular goal is. Let the dulcet tones of Ben Carson send you to sleep and keep you there. I talked about the success in Yuma County. I mean, incredible success. And the Department of Justice said, no, we don't want to do that. That's too successful. Before Lullaby Ben, I was up all night. Lullaby Ben. There is no question that a lot of these problems that we have been talking about in terms of the international situation is because we are weak. It's because our Navy is so small. It's because our Air Force is incapable of doing the same thing. Oh, oh. Order today and get the Donald Trump alarm clock free. Bing, bing, bong, bong, bing, bing. They didn't really tackle Trump as much as I thought they would. I, I thought I, I thought that they, they should have done some uh, his tremendous or China or loser or fat pig or, you know, all the other many, many things that... Uh, he, they could have uh, talked about with him being an alarm clock anyway. You know what I mean? Wake up, loser. Wake up, loser. Oh, God. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's move off of politics. You found an awesome article this week. Is it from Pew? Um, It's not so much an article as a chart that was tweeted by someone who works at Pew. Oh, right. Conrad Hackett. And it is from the Amnesty International. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> Sorry. That is okay. I was a little late on the uptick. Yes, you one. were. Yeah. So Amnesty International, deathpenaltyworldwide.org. And it shows the top 25 countries for executions. Yeah, not good. And this is the top six. <laughs> China. Iran, Saudi Arabia, Iraq, the United States, and Yemen. Yeah. That is not the company that we want to be in on any list. If you listed like all those countries except for the United States, list them again, rattle them off real quick, but skip the U.S. China, Iran, Saudi Arabia, Iraq, Yemen. Yeah. People would say, well, is that a list of asshole countries? I mean... What is that? Well, and then the next, by the way, it's Pakistan and North Korea. <laughs> so, wow. I mean, it gets even more troubling. What, what, are, what are we doing? Well, it makes you really second guess the whole execution thing. The, listen, the old adage that you can be judged by the company you keep, it, it's an old adage for a reason. And if this is the company we keep, that we are executing this many people... Something's fucking wrong. We don't want to be on a list with Pakistan and Yemen and China and North Korea and Saudi Arabia where they hang people in the streets, where they lash people like Raif Badawi in the streets, a thousand lashes. For writing a blog. Where, where they just they just sented someone to be crucified for something he did, Saudi Arabia. Come on. We need to really, maybe this, you know, poverty, this election cycle is my my issue. Maybe I need to start yammering on and on about the death penalty going forward. Because well, it, it should be an easy issue for Christians. It really should be. You mean that they should automatically be against it? Well, if not automatically. For the most part. It should be an argument that's easy to sway Christians on. The prohibition of the death penalty. Jesus was clearly, clearly not a death penalty guy. Ugh. Ask anybody you know, even if they are pro-death penalty... We're going to put this up on the Facebook page. In fact, sound off, 657-464-7609. If you don't like the number, email us a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtedatdollamore.com. Also, while you're doing all this, these little tasks for the show, go rate and review the show on iTunes. That would be real, 
real good. Well, we also could have done an update on the whole UN Human Rights Panel because oh, yeah. Saudi, Arabia, Saudi Arabia, right? Yeah, they've been chosen to be they, the head. That's right, a prominent position on a UN. A United Nations, or as Michelle Bachman would say, a United Nations panel on human rights. Right. Despite the fact that the country has arguably the worst record in the world on freedoms for women, minorities, and dissidents. Ugh. I mean, and like you said, this is where Raif Badawi is currently being held. He was sentenced to a thousand lashes for blogging about free speech. What a terrible man he is. To blog about free speech. And they, they whip them in the streets. That is what they do. With, Pub- with crowds watching. That's right, yeah. I mean, it's, it's 2015. It's, it's disgusting. But if you know someone who's pro-death penalty, I, I just we need to get somebody on. The problem is with trying to get people on is they either listen to the show and then they think I'm going to just shit on them, which is not the case. I'm going to give someone... I want an earnest discussion to move the conversation forward. Right. Well, apparently they just think that's a hollow phrase, the moving the conversation forward. It if is they not. think that because it is right. genuine. Right. We want we want people to come on that that don't agree. And I mean it's not gonna be a kid gloves kind of thing, but we we want to move the conversation forward. It's not gonna be a you know, a Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity kind of attack. Absolutely not. Like, look, we put it out there to get someone on the show who was a Donald Trump su- supporter. I still want the opportunity to have an earnest conversation with someone. And nope, nobody, no one will take me up on it. And it's it's an open invitation at this point. I just want a genuine Donald Trump supporter. Yes. I want a genuine person to talk about the death penalty. Maybe we should start a series of these if we can get people to fucking come on and talk about the issues. Because these are important things. I agree. All right. So let's wrap up with this, Brittany Page. We did watch the Emmys tonight after getting the whole fiasco with the antenna set up. And I guess, let's talk a little bit about the Emmys, I guess. I thought it was hosted terribly. <laughs> I thought Andy Samberg of Brooklyn Nine-Nine and formerly of Saturday Night Live, I-, I thought he did a terrible job. Well, I think most people think that about the hosts of these these shows. No, I, think I don't it's... usually, though. Oh, really? Yeah. I think it's, I mean, unless it's Amy Poehler and Tina Fey or Ricky, Ricky Gervais, Gervais yeah. then it's kind of, it's hard for it to be that great. Well, I didn't like it when Seth MacFarlane, was the host. I think that was the Oscars. Mm-hmm. But I loved it when Ellen did it. I, I've i always loved it when Ricky Gervais has done it. So I think it's contingent upon how much you actually like the person that's yeah, hosting. Maybe so. Because I don't think you're a huge Andy Samberg fan, but you're a fan of Ellen. You're a fan of Ricky Gervais. Yeah. So I yeah. think you're I think you're just being a little biased. But I don't not like uh, Seth MacFarlane. And eh, it was not good. I got featured on a BuzzFeed list for people who want Seth MacFarlane dead. Do you want to... Because I tweeted about wishing he had a uh, a flesh-eating bacteria during the performance. Do you want to (laughs) start tooting your horn right now? About what? Because you were featured on a BuzzFeed list. Anyway. (laughs) uh, All right, let's let's wrap it up with this, though. Everyone who wins an Emmy... Well, not everyone, but so many people want to, to... inspire with their speech and you know some get up there and they're all spazzed out because it's their first or whatever and they they kind of lose and they miss the moment because they're so excited and so thrown off kilter viola davis she won for best help me out she's actually the first african-american woman to win an emmy for best lead actress on a drama series for her role on how to get away with murder on abc I didn't even know that was a show. However, her speech was awesome. It was about race. And I think oftentimes in our politically charged and polarized culture, race type speeches can come across as more polarizing and more dividing. And I didn't get that at all from what what she said. Did you? 
I did not. I think I get what you mean. You you mean kind of like antagonistic, like it makes white people uncomfortable or something like well, that. Sure, you're yeah, yeah. I'm even um guilty of that, of feeling like it's pointing type of fingers, like a blaming I feel maybe it's white guilt kind of a thing. Right. That she's not getting work and we're being held down because of you. And I, I that kind of it, it, it can work on you. It, it does, for sure. And I didn't get that at all from what she said. But what she said was really powerful. And since I'm sitting here talking about how powerful it was, why don't we just play the goddamn speech and let the audience decide? In my mind, I see a line. And over that line, I see green fields and lovely flowers and beautiful white women with their arms stretched out to me over that line. But I can't seem to get there, no how. I can't seem to get over that line. That was Harriet Tubman in the 1800s. And let me tell you something. The only thing that separates women of color from anyone else is opportunity. You cannot win an Emmy for roles that are simply not there. So here's to all the writers, the awesome people that are Ben Sherwood, Paul Lee, Peter Nowak, Shonda Rhimes, people who have redefined what it means to be beautiful, to be sexy, to be a leading woman, to be black. And to the Taraji P. Hensons, the Kerry Washingtons, the Halle Berrys, the Nicole Baharis, the Megan Goods, to Gabrielle Union, thank you for taking us over that line. Thank you for the Television Academy. Thank you. Anyway, really, really good, I think. Yeah, I think it's really, really powerful. And like you said, a lot of the speeches can be, you know, either just meaningless or attempts to be profound. Yeah, well, like if you're Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> but this was really, really profound. And yeah, I think it was a great statement. Sure. And it's pretty crazy to think that in 2015, there are still situations where someone is the first African-American woman to win an award for something. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's very strange. You know, when I say that oftentimes in a, in, a, in a racially divided or a polarized politically kind of a society in which we live, and some months more than others, I'm not prescribing to blacks who win awards on which speeches to give and not to make whites uncomfortable. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that there have been times where I would hear a speech conveying a very similar message to this, and I would feel uncomfortable. And I'm just being open and honest about my shortcomings, for one, but also messaging. And I think if there were more speeches like this, it might go a long way toward... The Donald Trumps of the world? Well, I don't... Well, fuck, I don't know about that. But it would certainly, well, in my mind, go a long way toward bringing... Illuminating the issue in a way that some white people would, would understand. I don't know. Maybe it's my fondness for Harriet Tubman that leads me to this. And she quoted her. I don't know. I don't know. Well, and when I talked about, uh, I used the word antagonistic previously. I'm just meaning that some people can perceive certain conversations as antagonistic. Sure. And I think that's kind of what you're saying, that there yeah. are some people that when these things come up, they don't feel like it's an open conversation. They feel like it's automatically turning hostile and... I understand what you're saying in that this was a very, it's hard to describe though, because it was a very sober speech. Yeah, it really was. Well, here's the thing. I don't want to, I don't want to fall victim to being the asshole who says, 
well, she wasn't an angry black lady, so I'm okay with what she said. Or he's not an angry black guy, so it's okay for him to, you know, as long as he's being real nice and peaceable, it's okay to speak about things that are controversial. I'm not saying that. I don't want anybody to think I'm saying that. I'm saying that I think anytime you give a speech to an to a you know ultimately a, a global audience like she did, that using language that is going to be the best to communicate your idea and win hearts and minds for me would be the best way to do it. And I think she she couldn't have done it any better, any more strategically to to win people over to her way of thought. Well, and I think that was evident in the many people who, you know, gave her a standing ovation yeah. as she left the stage. So, yeah. congrats to her. Really good. Yeah, for sure, congrats. And maybe we'll have to check out that show if they're handing out Emmys because it's that good, right? What was it called again? How to Get Away with Murder. Hmm. And don't get too excited because... Olive Kittredge won oh, almost true. all of the Emmys, <laughs> true. and we that tried show, to watch that, and that was yeah, that was no dice. That show blew. So, all right. Well, listen, we're going to leave you there. This has been episode 158 of your twice weekly show filled with news, news, and ridiculous comment. If you would like to support the show, other than taking over your friends and neighbors and families iTunes accounts and going and rating and review us, which would be so helpful and so wonderful of our loyal listening audience. If you'd like to support us with a little money and you're going to purchase something on Amazon and those two things coincide, oh, it's a wonderful occasion. You can go to dollamore.com and on the left-hand side of the page, there's a, a link to go through to amazon.com, buy your books, buy your 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 fall clothes i don't know what do you what do you what's the time of year right now Brittany page to buy um pumpkin spice <laughs> foods you uh, if you could fill your 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 amazon cart with pumpkin spice everything yeah and every little bit goes a long way we get a little bit of a commission if you will off of each purchase and every bit does go a long way toward helping out the show. So we love you. We appreciate you. And until next time, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt It. The military option is always on the table, but it must be the last option. <laughs>